1: Did your friend offer you a pick-me-up pill? If you take medication that didn't come from a pharmacy, it's important to test it for fentanyl. Fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Pick up a test strip at your local pharmacy today and protect yourself from hidden fentanyl. What they don't want you to know, with your host, Mr. Noriega. Is the government keeping secrets? You bet they are. Here, those secrets are revealed. Teacher, seven years researching the common core of the education system. Author Noriega. What they don't want you to know, I welcome you back because we're going to have ourselves a interesting conversation, some interesting and important conversation that they don't want you to know about because they don't want you to reason. They don't want to reason as a man. They want to reason as devils. They come from a position of negativity, from a position of destruction, a position that wants to rule the world despite your freedom your democracy, your free agency, your will. They want to dominate you. They want to take away everything that you are and pervert it with everything that they have, which is a life that is miserable, a life of darkness. They are in control now, but they suffer greatly. They are full of addiction, full of perversion, and they have everything evil to offer you. And that is where we're at today. So I want to come to you from a side of truth and there is absolute truth. They would say, Oh, there's not such a thing, but I want to come to you from the side of light, because if there were no light, there would be no darkness. If there would be no truth, there would also be no lies. So they would say there is no absolute truth. Well, if there is no absolute truth, then there is no lie. So you can't lie. You can't say anything is a lie. In other words, if I look at something and it's blue, and I say that thing that is blue in front of you is actually red. That's not a lie. That's just my point of view, isn't it? And even though I'm definitely wrong, how dare you correct me? Or how dare you think differently? Or even yet your truth may be blue, but mine is definitely red. And so why should I have your opinion? And why should your opinion be any better than mine? Now, let's face it, people. These people neither know up nor down. They are in a black hole of darkness. They've perverted their own minds, and they seek to pervert your mind and the world's mind. And where do they start Your children, of course, you've allowed it. I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher for many, many years, investigating, observing. I've been documenting, and I've written a book about the Common Core and the education system No Child Left Behind. Way back then, I started documenting the information that was happening to this country. Now, my book's no longer available, it's been banned banned by Amazon. Of course, that's the big monopoly. So what can you do when you're banned on Amazon? You, you can't do anything. You're gone. So my book is gone. You might be saying that I'm promoting and They used to say I'm promoting my book back then when I was trying to stop the common core and stop all this from happening. I had opposition. The opposition came directly from Satan, put it into the hearts of people to stop me. Why? Because I was peddling my book, is what they said. Despite the fact that I made absolutely no money on my book, I gave away more copies than what I actually sold, ended up at a neutral stance, meaning that once it was all over and I had exhausted myself and I had become banned from Amazon and my book was banned, uh, I tallied the numbers and I broke out even. Even Stephen, of course, not counting my time and my effort, but that was good because it was never meant to be something that I gained from. It would have been nice to gain some kind of profit because of my work. That was my work, my life's work, to bring to you information. It was a noble job, a good job, to be able to research education in many different states and bring to you the facts. And it would have been just to get compensated for that. But of course I wasn't. And so it became an offering of mine. But during this time, people would ask me all the time. They would say, Mr. Noriega, what do I do? What's the one number one thing? What can I do? Because my children are in the school system. So what can I do? What can I possibly do to minimize the effect of the Common Core upon my children. And this was back when the Common Core was active. Of course, we did not have its predecessor, which is now um, this horrible, incredible new system that they have, right? Where they say the white man is evil and everything vicious and horrible in the world. That's what you're supposed to be. And transvestitism, that's the way to go. You have to be bi, etc. In other words, critical race theory, abundant. So we're talking millennia before critical, critical race theory, when Common Core was around. Parents would ask me that same old question, what do I do to minimize the effect? What can I do best for my child? And as I was the nation's foremost knowledgeable person on Common Core, I was the source, I was the one that had researched the most, and I was the one that was quoted most, and I was the one that was by George, by George, appearing in so many radio stations and all over the United States. It's a miracle that I didn't make any money at this as anybody else would have. But what my advice was every time was, if you love your children, again, this was 10 years ago, if you love your children, get them out of school. That's it. Get them out. Do you love your children? Do you love them? Do you care for them? Oh, your job, this, well, you love your job more than your children. Because you have to decide. And I'm telling you serious from somebody that knows. I'm not over there wishy-washy. Oh, you have to have a job. You have to make ends meet. You have to pay for food, etc. That's fine. We all understand it. But at this point, it doesn't become any clearer. It was clear then and it was. it is critical. Just like it's called critical race theory. It is critical today. So where it was the most important thing you can do back then, it is the most critical thing you can do today. Take your children out of school. I said it on the radio. I said it when I was announcing. I was said it when I was on tour with my book. I said it every time. Take your children. If you love them, take them out of school. It is critical. So what do you do? How how can you go to work, you say? How can you afford to not have your kids in school? You can't homeschool them. Certainly, that's not what I'm asking you. Yes, once again. Let's put it this way. You have, you live in the jungle, and you're a bird. And so you have a bunch of little baby birds. You They hatched. You've been feeding them. Now it's getting close for them to go out into the world. But you see that all of a sudden out of the jungle have come a pack of wolves, and they're surrounding your tree, your home. They're outside. They can't get in. They are surrounding your tree, and they are in the immediate forest all around you. So what do you do? You're a bird, and you look down. And you say, well, my little birdlings need to expand their wings because I need to go out and do what birds do, which is hunt all day long, bring back warms to my little birdlings. So what do you do? Well, do you push your bird out to the branch, push it off the branch, watch it fall down because you know it's going to fall. It's not. Young, it's not old enough to flap its wings and fly away. It can maybe do some flapping, but it's certainly not old enough to flap and fly away. You know that once you put it on the branch, it will definitely fall. And you have these wolves down there. So you say to yourself, well, again, I have to go out and I have to get some worms in order to feed my little, little baby birds. So in order to feed these little, little chicks, little baby birds, I have to go out. So I have to have these baby birds flap their wings. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to be out. I'm going to have to be taking care of them all day. Well, your decision is the following. Push the baby birds down, and you're not pushing them down yourself. Again, you're just pushing them out to the branch. But they will fall because they're too young to fly. And so you go back to your nest and you decide, well, what do I do? As a mama bird, as a papa bird, you're not going to put your baby birds out on the ledge because they will fall. And those baby birds will get eaten by the wolves. That's what's going to happen. There's no other possibility of it. There's just no chance. So you are going to take turns, aren't you? You're going to send papa bird out. He's going to go out. He's going to get some warmth. He's going to come back. You're gonna be at your nest just in case some snakes come around in your house. And then Papa Bird's gonna come back with some worms, then maybe you go out again. You get the worms this time back and forth in a help meet situation. You don't both go out, one of you stays home. Now, if the mama bird wants to stay home because she's the one that that laid the eggs, she's the one that has the big heart for the little baby saplings, she stays home. That's probably what will happen. And the papa bear, or in this case, the papa bird, (laughs) goes out and catches the worms, right? Well, if you can see the analogy, I'm not going to explain it for you. I hope you are able to have enough sense, enough understanding to, to unravel the mystery of this parable that I've just given to you of the baby birds, because it is the same today. Today we have wolves and they are in your schools. They are the counselors. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm there. I'm teaching this year. I'm teaching in Texas, one of the most conservative places in the world. And yet it's the same or worse because it should be better because it's Texas, but it's worse. And so here I am teaching and I see with my eyes, I'm not inventing something. I'm not telling you from the eyes of somebody like uh, a news reporter. Doesn't know what the hell they're talking about except the line they're getting fed. I'm not coming to you as a policeman that goes into the school once in a while to arrest a kid or arrest somebody. No, I'm not coming to you from the eyes of a single person has no kids, has no opinion, and shouldn't mess with it anyway, because they don't know. I'm coming to you from the eyes of a witness. These are the eyes of a witness. I am there in the battleground firsthand, not from a first-year teacher's point of view, but as a world-renowned researcher that has researched the Common Core, researched No Child Left Behind, again, And I'm in school in the front line. I've taught all over the world. I've taught in Hawaii. I've taught in Utah, California. I've taught in Arizona, Nevada. I've taught everywhere. I've taught in so many places. Right now, I'm certified in about three states. And I have certifications in so many things. And I, today, am not retired. I am teaching in school this year junior high of all places because i wanted to see how early this is happening and so i'm not in high school it's not because i didn't get offered a position in high school i did they were begging for me they wanted me to teach science in high school
0: fentanyl it could be hiding anywhere including in your house including in your medicine cabinet or maybe at a friend's house when you're hanging out playing games and get offered a pill Don't take chances. If a drug didn't come from a pharmacy directly to you, you can find fentanyl using a simple strip you can pick up at your local pharmacy. Don't take it until you test it because fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Brought to you by the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Mental Disabilities. Don't take chances. If a drug didn't come from a pharmacy directly to you, you can test for fentanyl by using a simple strip you can pick up at your local pharmacy. Don't take it until you test it, because fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Fentanyl, it could be hiding anywhere, including in your house, including in your medicine cabinet, or maybe at a friend's house when you're hanging out, playing games, and get offered a pill. Don't take chances. If a drug didn't come from a pharmacy directly to you, you can find fentanyl using a simple strip you can pick up at your local pharmacy. Don't take it until you test it, because fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Brought to you by the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Mental Disabilities.
1: Chemistry. They were begging. In fact, I had, when I applied, I didn't need to apply very much because I already had three offers on the table first, first day I interviewed three offers on table and again I'm trilingual I I speak Spanish fluently I speak English fluently I have degrees in both Spanish and English I have certifications in so many levels and so I'm coming to you as an eyes on the ground on the battlefield I am seeing directly what's happening in 2022 in the classrooms of your children this is where you're sending your children and if you're sending your children to California, it's much worse because I'm coming to you from what I'm reporting from Texas people. So if it's this way in Texas, in a red state where they're conservative and no, they did not lose their governor and no, they did not lose the Senate positions that they have, nor the House, they're all red. So I'm coming to you from a red state, not California, not New York. So if you're in any other state other than Texas, it's worse. So what I'm going to tell you today should shock the hell out of you. when I tell you, take your children out of school if you love them, your decision has nothing to do with, oh, I can't provide. Your decision should have to do with everything about, do I want to destroy my family? Do I want to destroy my children? Do I want them to have everlasting shame? Now, if you've bought into all the New World Order and the homosexuality, And you've bought into all the perversion and the phone sex and everything else. Well, this show's not for you. You don't want truth. You go ahead and think that love is love. You go ahead and think that being a cat and having a litter box in school is fine. And you go ahead and think all your liberal nonsense is fine. Show's not for you. You want lies. Go ahead and turn on CNN. You want brainwashing. And if you're a Republican that thinks, "Oh, the election's not rigged. We have a chance." Shows not for you, turn it off. But if you have your eye at least one eye open and the other one shut. And this shows for you. Because you want truth. You want to understand what's happening and I am that witness. I'm that witness because I am as expert as it gets people. You can't get another more expert than me because I've taught everywhere and I am on the boots on the ground today and I'm explaining what it is. This is simply what it is. I had a student in my class today and she was commenting something and I made a comment, general comment about the state of the school system today. And this girl said, talking and speaking about homosexuality. Now, a girl, an immigrant that's crossed the border, and what I want to explain to you is, yes, our borders are open, and they're bringing in all the people from the South American countries, all the people from Mexico, all people from around the world. That may be fine. But what you don't understand, which, yes, if we had a good president, he'd shut the borders, but what you don't understand and I've already explained in another of my shows about our country being given back to Israel, to the blood of Israel, because the time of the Gentiles is over because the devil rules over the devil. That's how it works. Evil rules evil. Good does not roll over evil. And so if you want to listen to that episode, you're fine to do it. And to understand about the time of the Gentiles coming to an end, and about why these people are coming over the border under the hands of Biden and under the hands of this evil regime that want to destroy America. And the outcome is the same. The outcome is the lands being given back to Israelites. That's just the outcome. Is it a good outcome? Is it a holy outcome? Is is it the way it should be? Well, the way it should be is if a people that once worshipped God don't worship him anymore and serve the devil, then by George, God is going to take away their nation, isn't he? This is one nation under God, or it will be given to people from whom it was taken from. But again, that's another episode, so you can go back and listen to that episode if you'd like and get more understanding about the day of the Gentiles being at an end, and it's coming upon us. But what I want to explain about my student that came from another country that came from a latin country is i want to explain about this student that came from another country as a young woman as a young girl at the age of 12 13 turning 14 has been in the country for less than a year now in these latin countries south america argentina brazil Colombia, etc. In these Latin countries, they are very traditional still. Yes, this garbage is seeping in, this homosexuality, but not anywhere to the degree that it is here. Here it is accepted and celebrated. There, in those Latin countries, homosexuality and promiscuity and everything else, the pornography, the transvestitism, everything... Of that gender, (laughs) pardon the pun, everything of that nature or anti-nature is shunned still. They are very much traditionalists. So imagine this, a a family comes to the United States, or rather a broken family, right? Maybe the daughter comes by herself. Maybe the daughter comes with an uncle. The daughter comes with a, a father or a mother. Whatever the case may be, this young girl from a traditional country comes to this American country and gets enrolled in school like we enroll all the immigrants that come over and spend millions and millions of our tax dollars on foreign nations, which is ridiculous. But the point is not that. The point is that the perversion that happens to this child of God, because we are all children of God, despite of where we live and where we're from, So this child of God comes from a society that's traditional, that follows the commandments of God. And immediately upon being here for the space of only a few months, she's decided that she is now a lesbian. Now, how has she decided? Well, in our conversation that I'm having openly with her and anybody else that is in the class can listen. She mentioned something about that, well, these people, meaning the counselors, meaning the other teachers, these people are helping her realize who she really is. And so, well, mister, they're helping me because maybe I don't know who I am. And they're helping me. They're helping me realize my potential of who I really am because I didn't know yet. And this about her sexuality. She's been convinced by counselors and by teachers in this new world order perverted regime, this new world order, horrible, horrible propaganda that she is a lesbian She just didn't know it yet. A girl that would never have thought such a thing at the early age of 12, 13 years old is now thinking that she is a homosexual. Because she's been convinced by her counselors in the many sessions that she's had with them, this is what the school counselors spend their time doing, that she just hasn't discovered who she is because she is indeed a homosexual. And this is their agenda, people to pervert the minds and the hearts of your children. And I told her, no, absolutely not. This is the policy of Sodom and Gomorrah. We are worse than them. This is what Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed for. And I told her, they are not helping you discover who you are because you are a child of God. They are helping pervert you. They themselves are working for Satan. And they're perverting you. And unfortunately, they are winning. And you as a child are very impressionable. Your mind is not developed. And so you will absorb anything they tell you as truth because they're adults. And these perverted adults, these groomers, are grooming you into their They're grooming your children into their sex partners. That's what they're doing, these perverts. They're perverting the whole world, all your children. And so I told her that these groomers are perverting her mind, and she's believing it because she is young and her mind is very malleable. And therefore, she'll believe anything, and that's who she'll become. Not because she's that, but because that's what they're brainwashing her. And I explained it to her, you are being brainwashed and not by light, but by darkness. And then she said, "Ah, how would I know this? And I said, because I am telling it to you and I am telling you the truth. And how do you know it? Very simple. Look in my eyes. What do you see? Do you see truth in my eyes and light? are my eyes different than their eyes? All the teachers in this school, all the counselors, am I different? Do my eyes say something different? Are they telling you what's right? Or are they perverse and telling you what's from the devil? Who's right? And she said, your eyes are different. And I said, are they really, or you're just telling me that? And she said, they are. And I said, that's right. My eyes tell the truth, because truth is universal, and it it speaks for itself. Lies are obvious. They're perverted, and they are insane. How can there be so many homosexual children now? So what you're telling me, listener, is that all of a sudden we went from 0.01% of the population I'm going to repeat that number to you again: 0.01%. So, out of a thousand people, there were one. There was one homosexual. This was the statistics pre-1980s. This was the statistics. And so, we went from 0.01%, where one thousand people there would be one homosexual, to now, every single kid in the school, every single kid they have all been brainwashed into believing that they are homosexuals or transvestites or bisexuals. They're something else. And these kids are all completely confused because, first of all, when did it become the agenda? Well, we know when it became the agenda. (laughs) It's always been the agenda of the devil to pervert your kids. And you're just feeding these kids to wolves now. But when did it become the responsibility of the schools to teach sexuality to minors, first of all. We went from sex ed, which was showing the reproductive systems of the human body in the 1980s, 1990s, where you had to have permission from your parents at a note to say that it's okay, and then we switched it into saying, no, the permission doesn't have to be given, it just has to be taken away. So now your parents have to write a note that they would not like you to be in sex ed. And then they just decided parents are stupid. Parents are dumb. They don't don't need to know. We're going to teach children how to use a condom, how to masturbate, how to screw each other. This is what we're going to do. And so they took it upon themselves from the year 2000 onward, 2005, 2007 onward that they were going to teach your kids every single sexual sin there was as normality. But they went beyond this, didn't they? In the last two years, they have taken it upon your kids. They've taken it upon themselves to teach them perversion. And I'm sorry to have the listeners' ears cringe at my words. But the reality is there's no other way to put it to you. They are now teaching your kids that they are homosexual. They just don't know it yet. Simply put, that's what they're teaching. And that homosexuality is better than heterosexuality. In fact, heterosexuality is evil. It is not proper. It is not good. You have to be a homosexual now to count. Now, am I taking this to extreme? No. This is the way your children are being treated in school. This is why at the beginning of the year, 2022, the beginning of the school year in fall, I saw children coming from other countries and even from this country in junior high, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, acting normal like heterosexual children that, first of all, shouldn't be completely animalistic, sexually active anyway because they're kids, they're little baby kids but fine, we live in a society, live in a world where things have escalated and now your children are promiscuous let's just say it that way, it's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it I was shocked in 2015, this is about when it started 2014, when and, and you may have grown up in a city like New York City, I only visited in the summers there so that's not the case, you may say, Well, that happened in our in our we always had pregnant girls in junior high, et cetera. No. That's not normal. That's not normal, listeners. People of the United States, I want to explain to you that yes, this kind of thing has always happened in the ghetto. New York City, Chicago, a uh, ghetto, Los Angeles, et cetera, big cities, Detroit. Where you have horrible school systems. It's always happened that way. Hell, you could go back to the 1960s and have it that way. But in normal America, civilized society, 13 and 14 year olds are primarily involved in learning. At least they were, this was the norm.
0: What's the best part of a Dunkin' Run, the coffee? Is it the coffee or the $1 donut or $2 stuffed bagel minis or $3 sausage, egg, and cheese that you can add to it? The answer, of course, is yes. Time for a Dunkin' Run. $3 offer available on sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich only. Excludes specialty donuts and fancies. Offer valid on medium or larger coffee. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer terms apply.
1: In America, and they were primarily involved in things like sports and games and running around and their bicycle, etc. It was not until the phenomenon of the telephone where they got perverted and became obsessed with sex. And that was on purpose. They became warped with pornography. And so all they could think about was sex. That was on purpose again, to warp and deprive your children of the Holy Ghost. And so when they are 13, and, and don't get me wrong, all of us, when we were 13, were looking at girls and saying, oh, they're so pretty, we, we, we desire them. But to a certain extent a certain level, certainly there were childless fantasies, but not to the level where we were obsessed. It was a level of let's go ride our bikes, let's play Star Wars, let's play games. If somebody had an Atari, fantastic, let's go play it. It was never to the level that it is now, where the permiscuity people, the permiscuity in junior high Rivals that of the promiscuity that used to exist in the 70s in high school and in college. That's what it rivals. We have now switched from having promiscuity in high school for it to start in junior high at a very early age. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. These are babies, people. And they're creating Babies. And so, this is where it all started, and now, very easily, because your children are porn addicts, they've been on porn for several years, ever since you decide to give them a phone, which, by the way, is the most dangerous thing to a child right now, and has been, is a telephone. You decide to give them a phone, so think back when they got a phone. But when they got a phone, that's when they became perverts. And you think that you had all your parent, guardian, whatever. Doesn't work. Not for a child. Because somehow their brain is wired well enough to be able to click, click, click here, click, click, click here. And next thing you know, they're watching a cartoon that is a pornographic cartoon where you have cartoon characters engaging in sexual activity one with another. I learned this the hard way when I gave my little daughter... Let her use my phone to watch some innocent YouTube cartoons. Innocent YouTube cartoons. The next thing I was noticing after a few days of why does she want my phone so much, click, 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 is having Disney characters go at it with each other, people. And I had plenty of filters. And man, did I have an experience of guilt. Guilt. I should have listened to reason. I should have listened to the spirit. I should have listened to the prophet that told me never to give an electronic internet device to a kid without parental supervision. Well, I was in the room, people, and this is what happened. Now, I've interviewed kids, and not one of them, not one of them ever has said that they are not watching porn. I've interviewed kids, if they have a phone, they're watching porn. If they have a phone and they're a girl, if they're a boy, they're watching porn. There is not one child out there. There is not one child out there. And I'm going to explain it to you. There are 0% of the children out there that are not on porn. They have a phone, they're on porn. Now, church-wise, I've interviewed many bishops all around, not just in Utah, not just in California, everywhere. Everywhere. And I've asked them the same question. How many of your children, how many children, how, how much of the youth here are on pornography, have had troubles with pornography? All of them, 100%. The answer has always, I know, you're thinking exaggeration. Then you, st- you, will go, you go ask your bishop and let's see if he gives you an honest answer. The answer is 100%, people. 100% of all youth ages 12 to 18 are on porn. They have had porn problems. They are having porn problems. They will have porn problems. They have porn problems. The statistics of the church are 100%. They are not 80%. They are not 90%. It is 100% of youth. And the sole reason for that, the whole reason, is a telephone. So you give your child a telephone, you might as well invite a snake up to your nest. Because you've invited the nest You've invited snakes into your nest, and they've gotten in and perverted the brains of your child. And now that the brains of your child are perverted, then the brain of your child is open to everything else that's worse. And what can be worse than pornography? There's, there's things that are worse. But pornography, as the prophet spoke, the prophet gave these words. He said, pornography physically changes the brain. Now, many of us, many of you thought that he went out on a limb when he said that. Oh, whoa, 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 But psychologists discovered this before pornography became a norm, before pornography became okay, back in 2017, 2016, 2015, when it was still okay to say what's right and what's wrong, psychologists came out and said, that pornography physically changes the brain to addiction. It is an addiction. It becomes an addiction, and it physically changes the brain. And so when the prophet came out and said this, many of you were, he said this a decade before, whoa, 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 how can that be? He's going on a limb. He's no psychiatrist. Well, psychiatrists and brain scientists came out and said it. So, If 100% of your kids are on porn because they have a telephone device, then 100% of your kids have no access. The spirit has no place in them. And then it's very easy for them, your children of the covenant, to be able to go to school and get warped and get taught that they are homosexuals. Very easy because they don't have the spirit. So I'm going to give to you church statistics from inside the church. These are independent statistics done about two and a half years ago, before all this crap started, two and a half years ago, inside the church, seminary students, those same seminary students that you see all those rainbow flags welcoming them, right? Welcome LGBTQ to seminary this year. We love LGBTQ. We welcome students, right? So that's a sign for Jesus. Hmm, interesting. Not you welcome children of Heavenly Father, not you welcome I am a child of God, but rather you welcome the sin into your seminary students. Okay, okay. That's a subject that we'll also talk about when we have time later on, the perversion of the seminary within. But we're not going to talk about that right now because we don't have time. We're not going to talk about the gay banners or the focus on homosexuality or even that many of the instructors are gay themselves. We're not going to talk about that. What we are going to talk about is the statistics themselves Because within the church, the youth of the church, when they have been polled by independent polls and asked, your name's not going to come out on this, it's just a number. When they have been polled, the youth of the church, back two and a half years ago, this was 2019, before COVID, the actual number was 23% of the children in the church these are the youth 12 to 18 once again consider themselves gay lesbian or bi so statistically people what an evolutionary jump don't you think wow an evolutionary jump for the better one would think that's a cambriotic explosion right all of a sudden you have 0.01% of the population on earth, not just inside the church, on earth. One per, 0.1%. One out of every thousand people that are homosexuals now. Of course, you have all the in-the-closet homosexuals back then. That's fine. It's understandable. But even so, let's say, let's say you jump that up to 0.05%. Okay, so now you've multiplied it by five because, let's say, five five times more in the closet. That's an astronomical figure, but okay, whatever. Let's give it five, five times more. Even still, that would be five out of every thousand people are homosexuals or transvestites in any way. So we've got a cambriotic explosion, a leap in evolution, if you believe in such a thing, If you believe that all of a sudden thousands and thousands and millions of species just evolved overnight, all of a sudden you're showing up with millions of species where there were only a few species overnight. They want to throw that in your face and say, God didn't create these things. It was a cambriotic explosion. Okay, you want to believe in evolution and its lie. Then you can believe in this lie. We've gone from 0.05% of the population, including everybody in the closet, to what is the percentage now? 23% of the covenant children of Israel? So what's the percentage outside the church? If the covenant people of Israel, their children are 23% homosexuals, what's the percentage outside the church then, everyone? Because the reality is, the reality is, that I'm going to school. I'm a teacher and I'm teaching these children and I see through the halls, the perversion, the sickness, boy on boy, girl on girl. And it is rampant people. And the poor children are being taught that they are discovering themselves. And you're sending them, throwing them to the wolves. You're sending them to seminary. With their welcome LGBTQ, not welcome children of Heavenly Father. You're sending them to public school where they are teaching them to join us. We love it. Here's a banner from the ceiling to the floor of Rainbow. They've taken the beautiful covenant of Israel. The covenant that God made with Enoch, the rainbow. The covenant that God made with Noah the rainbow, that he would save and preserve his people. Well, he's not going to save and preserve his people under sin. The same thing that happened to to Sodom and Gomorrah is going to happen worldwide because we've embraced sin. And that rainbow will be taken from the earth because God will no longer promise and say, I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to protect you. His wrath will be upon you. So what do you do? Oh, I got to keep my child in school because I'm too busy in the daytime. Too busy. My child's got to go to public school. I'm, I'm way too busy for that. Way too busy for my family. And so what do you think is happening now? Let's talk about the covenant in Israel for a second. Do you think the, cha- the, the church itself has changed? The commandments have changed? The, the way that we look at things inside the church has changed? Or is it you that's changed? Is it the people inside the church have that become the chaff? Because either God changes or he doesn't. Either he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, or he's different. And if he's different, then then you you're worshiping the wrong being. You're worshiping the wrong being because that is not God. God is unchangeable. And the position of the church on homosexuality has always been the same. Always been the same. I remember back in 2 in the year 2000, 1999. Prop 8 came out. Remember Prop 8? Prop 8 came out that said marriage is between a man And a woman. Do you remember that? They wanted to add an amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. And there was a big movement in California. And one of the things on the ballot was to make Prop 8. This was going to push forward an amendment to the Constitution that said. Marriage is only between a man and a woman. And the language was very simple. Now, I lived in California at the time. I'm always in the right place at the right time. So at this time, just like when I was in Puerto Rico during Hurricane Maria, and just like I am here in Texas now, during Prop 8, I was in California. And certainly California was the only state participating in this. Now, it's not a worldwide known thing about the church. It was only known to the members of California because in California, the members of the church were involved in this. And the prophet back then, the prophet, wrote to every single ward and branch and asked the members to participate in a political debate and political push. He asked the members to go against the normal church policy, which was to stay out of political issues, and explain to the members of the church that this is not a political issue. This is a godly issue. This is an issue of morality. And he asked the members, risking, risking my goodness, because. As you know, the church is under non-profit organization status, and so the church was risking its nonprofit status at this point because it asked members to go out and campaign for Prop 8. How do I know this? Well, you can look it up yourself, but I know this very well because I live in California. And so at that time, I personally, under direction of the president of the Church of Jesus Christ, went out and knocked door to door and asked people to vote for Prop 8, to preserve the sanctity of marriage is what it was called. And I remember getting into a debate with a homosexual. And telling him that he should vote for Prop 8 because marriage is the sanctity of this country. And him arguing back, and I remember the spirit pricking me saying, you are wasting time with this fellow. He's not going to change his mind. You need to move on and make other people aware so they can vote for Prop 8. And the spirit guided me that I realized I did. I, I wasted a good 15 minutes on this guy where I could have been hitting more doors. And I moved on, and then Prop 8 was rejected. Pass. And the main feeling of the people back then was, yes, we do want the sanctity of marriage to remain. We want only marriage between a man and a woman, but we don't want the Constitution changed and amended. That's risky business. So that's why the main feeling of California was at the time. This was 2000, the year 2000, uh, 1999, around that era. And so after that, there was another proposition that came out in California that said after Prop 8 failed to keep the sanctity of marriage, in California, a couple of years later, it might have been the very next year, The proposition was made that homosexuality, homosexuals could get married. Now, at that time, I thought, oh man, see the world. They're going to accept this. There's no way these people are righteous enough to reject this. They've already rejected Prophet, keep the safety marriage. Now they're definitely going to accept this homosexual marriage. Now, you know what's happened. You didn't live in California, but obviously, this got rejected to my surprise, thinking, wow, the people are still righteous enough even in California, even in California, to realize the sanctity of marriage between man and woman and reject homosexual marriage. Again, this happened around the year 2000, 2001, 2002, when the people were still saying, this is 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. So what happened next? Next. Well, what happened next isn't what happened next, but you're very aware, you remember that inside the church, and most of you that are listening to this are old enough to remember, but even if you're not, the proclamation on the family, which is 25 years old, the proclamation on the family that was endorsed by all the living apostles at that time, And unanimously ratified by the church, an uplift of hand, stated that marriage is between a man and a woman. And this was decades before all this fiasco that it happened and was ratified in Utah, of all places. So, with Utah and with the church came the ratification of the proclamation on the family that stated that marriage is between a man and a woman. And in that same Utah, 20 years later, under the rule of Common Core, when you had your horrible, horrible governor, Herbert, in charge, Under that governor that sold us out to Obama came the Supreme Court of Utah's decision because of presidents, because of Common Core and the military. And this is a very complicated issue. You'll have to listen to my podcast on the Common Core and how this happened. But if Utah falls, which is the only nation, I'm sorry, the only state that had No precedent for homosexual marriage. In other words, they could not force it on Utah. And so it had to be Utah. If Utah fell, then the whole nation would fall behind it. If Utah stayed alive, then by George, homosexuality and homosexual marriage would not be ratified by this nation. No way could the Supreme Court uphold that because Utah could not be forced. So, in a very complicated ploy by the devil you had utah ratifying homosexuality to the nation it was the only brick the last brick of the wall just like the jerusalem wall now has only a few breaks in it and people go to the wailing wall and pray in front of it every day the wailing wall in jerusalem the last pieces of the temple the holy temple It has to be built before the second coming, and that's one of my other episodes, so you might want to listen to that one. Before the second coming, the Jerusalem temple has to be built. And there has to be actual sacrifices of lamb, pure lamb, without blemish, once again, by the Levites. And this all has to happen before the second coming, so watch, listen to that episode. But as I was saying... The last bricks of America were Utah. And Utah did fail, and it fell hard because Governor Herbert sold us out to Obama. And I was there, always in the right time, in the right places. I was there in Utah fighting to stop this, to stop it now, along with Attorney Reyes, Attorney General Reyes of Utah, appointed by the governor himself, but that called the governor The devil himself, because Reyes was a good man at the time fighting this, he knew what was coming to. And I met the man, shook his hand, embraced him. He was on the Lord's side at the time. Oh, boy, but since then, how many have fallen? That used to be on the Lord's side, huh? How many have fallen? We are down to our last very few men and women standing and actually promoting And serving God, because God is unchangeable. Remember, I talked to you about that already. And so we are down to to our last few men and women who actually want to serve God, want to serve the true God, want to keep his real commandments, not commandments of men. And so my point is, if you think that things have changed, you're way off in left field, because the proclamation on the family has never changed. The Lord's view on this particular issue has never changed. We were on the battleground in the front lines to try to stop all this all the way back when Prop 8 was given on the ballots to vote on. I voted for it in California. My name was signed in there under direction of the prophet of the church. And so if you think for one minute that it has all changed, that somehow the rules are different just because BYU has gone the way of the devil, right? And when I say that, I'm not condemning BYU. I'm condemning its practices, these scenes in the fields, the beautiful fields of BYU where the most horrible things have happened. I'm not even going to get into these things. But what I am saying is times have changed. The beautiful has gone the way of the dodo. And now it's all filth. It's all filth. It's all corruption. And we live in a time when your children... And your children's children are being corrupted in the most illegitimate way. They're being taught that they are children of Satan instead of children of Heavenly Father. They are children of filth. They are children of sin. And so therefore they should be sinners. And there is no God and there is no devil. And you are sending your little birds into that. And so all you can do is watch them fail because the calamities that are coming are for them more than for you. Do you understand that? It's not that you're getting punished, that you're going to watch the big rocks that are fireballs from the sky raining down. It's not for you that the atomic bombs are going to shoot the ark send it hurling across the skies. It's not for you that famine and pestilence are coming and diseases that are going to melt the skin off. And it's certainly not for you that the armies are coming to chop off heads from other countries invading. It's for them. You see, the children of the covenant need a reminder. And in order for the children of the covenant Poor children, your children, they've become filth. They've been indoctrinated and brainwashed. And now they repeat the same words that I hear my students repeat, don't they? You know them, and you've embraced them. You're supporting them. You support a great parent. Fantastic. You've become a wolf yourself. Nice. Give in. Because heaven's not for everyone, is it? It's for them. What's coming is for them. You see, the children of the covenant, they need to be woken up. And once you get to such horrible filth, the only thing that can come is such a destruction, such a calamity, such a horrible time that your children will almost die. And then they will have to repent and redeem. They will be redeemed. That's the good news. Children of the covenant, Heavenly Father is looking after them. He's allowing Satan to come in to your heart and to their heart and destroy their covenants and take them all the way to the filthiest filth and turn their hearts away from God and away from the gospel and away from the covenants until they become so punished that they have to, by obligation almost, by necessity, repent. And this is what's coming. This is why it's coming. And so if you think that right has changed and the policies have changed and the commandments of God has changed, I don't often talk about, dedicate a whole show, in fact, to homosexuality and transvestitism and all the rest of the isms. I don't often talk about it, but it's worth talking about. It's worth for you to understand that right is right and wrong is always wrong. And no, Heavenly Father did not make you that way. Or your children. Your children were brainwashed and raped. That's how they reproduce, people. I'm sorry to give it to you that way. I am in the front lines and this is how they reproduce. Your children are being molested. And this is how they reproduce. And your children are getting groomed, and this is how they reproduce. You may think love is love in your perverted way, but the reality of it is that God never, ever gave us temptation. God never gave us sin. That's the devil. You might say, well, it says in the Scriptures, in the Book of Mormon, that God gave us our weaknesses. But see, a weakness is a completely different thing then a sin. A weakness is something that you have to make strong out of it. Heavenly Father is like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's pumping iron and expects you to pump iron and says, you have weakness. Pump iron. Make it stronger, stronger. Heavenly Father never expects you to take a weakness that he's given you. Whatever the weakness is, the weakness might be a little bit of trend of weakness to not keep a certain thing. or It's just weakness, people. It's not sin. He doesn't give you sin. But he expects you to work at it, work out. Every day, ask his help. He expects you to understand it's a weakness and expects you to make a strength out of it because that's what the Book of Mormon says. It's a strength that he desires you to have. And once you recognize that you have a certain weakness, then that weakness can become a strength. Now, homosexuality is not a weakness. Homosexuality is a perversion. A perversion. That's right. Remember what I told you about the phones? Well, the phones with their pornography perverted your children. And now that their minds became perverted, then everything even more gross and more perverse and more unnatural can seep in and can become natural to them. And so homosexuality is a result of perversion. It is a result of rape, of molestation, of grooming. It is a result of perversion. That's simply what it is. And there is always an innocent, but that innocent has been warped. Otherwise that innocent would be yelling out, help me. No, homosexuality is a perversion. And it needs to be rooted out. It needs to be repented of heavily because it is such a sick transgression. It is the only commandment that God has ever said in the Bible that he spews out. And spew out means throw up. God's sick of it. It makes his, him, him sick. His stomach feels disgusted at it. And so he throws up. It's the only commandment that he throws up about. Disgusts him. It is a perversion. It's not a sin. It's not like all the other sins. It is a perverted sin. It is against nature itself. It always has been. And it doesn't come as a result of learning who you are, but rather it comes as a result of months and years of enduring your children to have phones and be perverted to have addictions to pornography. And you should see these pornographic images. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you're addicted to them as well. These Asian pornographic Images where they show first women, the young men, and then they start to mingle in the men. And pretty soon, the children are now watching young men in these perverted rituals. It's a perversion, a sickness. It's a warping of the mind. It's not a natural thing. It doesn't come from 0.01% of the population to a population Cambriatic explosion. It doesn't happen. And so, if you recognize that sin, especially homosexuality, is not who you are, you're a child of God, and children of God are not full of sin. Homosexuality is not who you have discovered you are, and that's just who you are and who, what God made you know. And you certainly, an innocent baby, you were not born a homosexual. That is doctrine of Satan himself, written by many of his servants, including BYU professors. So being born a homosexuality, that, that is such a perversion of the doctrine of Jesus Christ that the devil himself has made such an achievement for having this come out of schools like BYU, out of professors themselves there. And it sickens me. No, Heavenly Father never gave you sin. He certainly does not tempt you. Hey, you're a homosexual. Is that Jesus Christ's voice? I mean, can you, at this state, at the state, at the lowly state you're in, of having become convinced, do you think Jesus Christ's voice tells you you're a homosexual? Is that what you think? That the Savior himself, his voice says, you are attracted to men? Or is that Satan? Because I'll tell you now, it's Satan that gives temptation. It's Satan that gives you sin. And you accept it, and that's how you fall. And weakness never starts with perversion. Weakness starts with simple things. And until they escalate into perversion, then do you become filthy. The reality is you have listened to the wrong voice, the voice without reason. And so I ask you this. I ask you to differentiate Not as I ask my student to differentiate between my voice and the voice of the other teachers and counselors, but I ask you to differentiate between the voice of Jesus Christ himself and what he would be telling you. What would he tell you? That that's who you are? Or would Satan say that? That is left to you to discern. What they don't want you to know with your host, Mr. Noriega. Is the government keeping secrets? You bet they are. Here those secrets are revealed teachers. Seven years researching the common core of the education system. Arthur Noriega. What they
0: don't want you to know.